Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You're listening to Comedy Central. Hello, Ears Edition listeners. This is The Daily Show contributor extraordinaire Jordan Klepper. Uh, We are back making episodes for The Daily Show. We couldn't be happier about it. And personally, I'm still glad to be fingering the pulse. The Daily Show returned back this week with guest host Michael Costa, and I got to hit up a Trump rally in Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire. I'm joined by supervising producer Ian Berger. Now, Ian is always out in the field with me, risking his life. Googling restaurants and bars to check out after the rallies. And we want to give you a little ears addition extra. An ears addition, if you will. We're still getting used to it. The show's been off the air for a while. The wordplay, it's going to come back to us. In the next year, we'll have it. <laughs> yeah, give us a little bit. We needed, we, needed, we needed seven months to really hone those skills. Uh, we're going to unpack this piece that we got to do this week and talk a little bit about the process we go through out there in the field. Uh, does that sound like a plan, Ian? It sounds like a great plan, a wonderful plan. I mean, I think we've been waiting to do this for a long time, <laughs> so now we're able to do it. We, if, <laughs> No matter what we're asked to do, we're going to be really grateful and, and dive right in. Exactly. We're going to jump in. For people who don't know, so Ian and I have worked together. I mean, I started the show 24. Uh, 14. So since 2014, uh, at The Daily Show, at The Opposition, Klepper, The Daily Show, and the last few years, primarily if you see me at a Trump rally, there's a decent chance Ian is uh, just slightly off camera, you know, frustratingly biting the paper or talking down somebody we just talked stressing to. Out, stressing out and judging people. That's That's yes. my job most of the day. <laughs> Your ex- external judge there. And I, I would say what's sort of funny about this strike in the last five months, a lot of news has happened. And you and I has tend it? to text really? back and forth. Yeah, no, I, yeah. There, I've we, sent you text messages. Oh, okay. there, there's wild things with the ex-president, <laughs> international stories. It tends to be a little bit of a, a, a news hotbed right now. Yeah, I it, we texted throughout the strike, obviously, because there's a lot of free time when there's a strike. Um, and yeah. yes, as you said, there's and a lot to be of... clear, to be clear, talk to text. There was no writing. We were right. We did not write. <laughs> it's uh, absolutely not. 
Um, I don't even use punctuation when I text, so it can't count as Never. writing. So that's my mm-hmm. my workaround. Um, yes, we texted like the whole time um, because we follow the news and we're eager to talk about these things. So it's almost as if we instinctively just texted each other bits while the news was happening. Like, imagine if we did this right now. And that's cool and good to, to kind of keep those muscles in shape. It's also a little sad, I think, to be like, yeah, imagine if we were on the field in Harrisburg, PA, and talking to Trump voters. Wouldn't that be delightful right now? But that's just who we are. Yeah, yeah. Indictment <laughs> after indictment. It's like, oh, we have a job where we can comment on this, go to some of these places, and it feels as if the conversation is bonkers right now. It would be a fun place to find comedy and sanity. Uh, we finally got to do that, though, this week. Wow. Thank God. And it was wonderful. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> what were your expectations uh, going to a rally, a Trump rally in New Hampshire? Well, I think I, I'm going to say this because I think we're on the same page a lot and we travel together. So we often arrive into uh, uh, a town together. We were not sure what this was going to be because obviously we've not been out on the road in a long time. But also Wolfboro, New Hampshire is a very small, beautiful town on the shores of Lake Winnipesaukee. And it doesn't have much of a Trump vibe, and there's not a lot of people around. So I, I'll, I'll speak for both of us. I think we were we were afraid there would not be many people there, and that we've had those thoughts before. And every time we say, "Oh man, this might be the rally where there's not a lot of people. This could be the one," we're, we're wrong, right, Jordan? Yeah, it's it's remarkable. I think because Trump did a, an event in Iowa, and this was sort of a an opportunity for us to do sort of a catch up. We were like, we want to go out there and literally we've been off the road for five months. What are people talking about? There's a couple things that happened this week we want to get to, but also do they care about these indictments, the news of the last five months? And so there was an Iowa event and we we're pretty certain because we've been to Iowa a lot. It was this time of year. A lot of people come out. There's a lot of energy there. And yeah, you're right. Every time we go to these towns where it seems like this is a quiet town, nobody's going to show up. We have this conversation where we're like, I know we've said it before, but Who's coming to Wolfboro? It feels empty. It feels quaint. It feels somewhat progressive. And I tell you, we wake up that next morning and and it's packed. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people who who made the made the trip. Yeah, actually, we wake up the next morning. And we're like, we'll take our time, get some coffee, and then get to the venue. And one of our cameramen is there already. And he's like, you have to get here now. There are hundreds yeah. of people online already. So that's <laughs> and and we haven't learned that lesson for some reason. But that's usually what happens. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, people often ask like, what our strategy is when we approach a rally like this. How do you think of it from a producer standpoint, approaching this New Hampshire rally? What was your strategy going in? Well, I think, um, like you said, this is the first one back. So it's OK to have a more general conversation because the narrative of our show and the narrative of your pieces going into this rally is that this is our first show back. Catch us up on everything that's been going on. But we can make jokes about what's been going on in our life. So it's a little bit kind of like we're casting a pretty wide net, I think, initially, which is in some ways easier, you know, to be like, what mm-hmm. do you want to talk about? Which is earnestly how we felt when we arrived. Like you and I both didn't know what they wanted to talk about. Now, if we were, you know, had been doing this for months and months and months and had been on the road and a story break had just broken and we went to a rally, we I think we would know exactly what they were going to talk about and what we wanted to address. But mm-hmm, I think going mm-hmm. in, you would agree this was pretty like this was kind of a general take at the start of our conversation. And I think 
for you and myself included, like we hadn't been to a rally in this part of America in a long time. It is like, how are you people doing? What is what what do, yeah. what do you you know, what are your vibes? Yeah. And what do you think the vibes were, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> they were I think we, we laughed. They were they're farther along than you ever think they are in terms of like drinking the Kool-Aid and buying in on uh the things you hear in the now again, this is a Trump rally, so people are are big time MAGA. But but Trump has been so successful at moving those goalposts. And so what was surprising to me is not that people believe that the election was stolen and Trump is perhaps even still the president. We had people who wouldn't concede that Joe Biden had won New Hampshire in right. the last election, which was which was sort of a, uh, a starting point for a couple of questions. We had a base baseline question, uh, no, no twist or irony within it. It was Biden won New Hampshire. What has Trump done in the the time since then to win over those New Hampshire votes? And it was like pulling teeth to get people to agree with the premise that New Hampshire went to Biden. Which, yeah. as far as I knew, was never a conspiracy people even entertained. It's a weird conspiracy to get in on because it's like when to me, it's like when people just would describe heist movies that were like they spent $20 million to heist $18 million. It's like, why would people go so far to steal New Hampshire's few electoral votes? It seems like an odd thing to me. And so it did derail stuff for a little while and we weren't ready for that, but it's kind of like, it's always funny and refreshing to be like, Oh, that's right. Now you're taking this thing that other people have kind of, embraced and maybe enjoyed spreading around and putting it on your own personal story. Yeah, it's it's I mean, he's Trump has taught people a worldview, which is you don't need to concede anything uncomfortable. And even the mild, uncomfortable idea that the state you are currently in didn't go the way you hoped it would. You don't have to concede that either. And and we go to these rallies sometimes and I think. I laugh because sometimes it's not until in the edit where some of the things that are said really register. That one we knew in the in uh, in the field was like, wow, we weren't really prepared for New Hampshire conspiracy theories. Secondarily, we got a lot of people who big up January 6th, uh, who were not only big up in January 6th, who were there on January 6th. I think that is something that has been normalized beyond being a third rail of we don't want to talk about it. That's a complicated time, perhaps looks poorly on us, has now been woven into the narrative of this was a great day. This was a day that only proved what we thought, which is other people are troublemakers. And this day, if I was there, only proves my MAGA bona fides. Right. And when we talk about that day, and I would hope most Americans would would do the same, when we talk about it, we were there, we witnessed history. And the conversation we will forever have about that is like, this was really shameful. This is a really low point in American history. But their their view of it is the opposite. They're they're boasting about being there and they're proud of it. And the expectation, I think, from their sharing those stories amongst their friends is like, you were there. So lucky. High five. You know, where most of America would say this is really, you know, this is a really dark time in America. What was your first rally? Uh, January 6, 2020. That's a, that's a, if you're going to go to one, go to one. <laughs> Did you make it inside? Uh, I can't say that for legal reasons. So you may or may not have been involved in yeah. a treasonous activity. Yeah, well, can't get into that one. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, have fun. Hopefully, right. uh, try not to overthrow any uh, duly elected officials. No, no, we'll be good today. Yeah, I trust him. One thing that we noticed that was funny was 
they were proud they were there. They obviously know they can't say they went in the Capitol, whether they did or not, we don't know. But that one couple, did we, oh, we had to cut it out. The couple who thought ISIS planned it. Um, I think January 6th is probably my favorite one. You were there? Oh yeah. That's exactly. your number one. What, what made it one. your favorite one? What stood out from January 6th? Well, aside from all the violence that was planned by uh, the FBI and such. Do you think, were they Proud Boys and Oath Keepers? No, they were Antifa, Antifa. Black Lives Matter, ISIS, and MS-13. Some of January 6th is perpetrated by ISIS? I mean, this is new. MS-13, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, ISIS. And yes. Can you say MAGA? Hey, anyone can put a MAGA hat on. Do you remember what they said about their actions that day, Jordan? No. They said, we were there, proud of it, proud of it. And then... The next kind of line of questioning would be like, what did you partake in the festivities? And they were like, right. we were there, but it was really cold. We went to a hotel room right away. <laughs> That's right. That was a whole segment. This is where people are often like, oh, what are you leaving out? What are you leaving out? More often than not, wildness. <laughs> and I think that was what you're right. We spent a lot of time talking to them or not a lot of time. I would say the average amount of time we spend talking to people is anywhere between three to seven minutes, maybe, maybe less, maybe seven would be a lot. Yeah, they may have been like eight minutes because there was like they they didn't want to back down on anything. But that would have been very long for us. You're right. That was a big thing. They, 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 they were proud of January 6th that they were there. And then a little bit of pressure. They were like, well, you know what? It was cold that day. And we went right home because it was so cold. And I think you made the point. It was like you drove across the country to be there, support Donald Trump. And he told you to march out of the Capitol. And by 1130, you were like, I'm going back to the hotel. It's a little nippy out there. It wasn't even that cold. No. We were there. It was like maybe... Maybe it was fall jacket weather. I looked it up. 49 degrees. I did. But it was 49 degrees and sunny. <laughs> and these people drove halfway across the country, got a hotel room, went and watched Donald Trump's speech, still had the hotel room for that night. We're like, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you go to these rallies, though. You're like, you can plan as much as you want in New York. But you're like, did you think you were going to get a January 6th climate conspiracy out of that couple? I didn't. And we stumbled on it. I, it would be amazing if that that like kind of alibi was, you know, echoed as we go forward. Like we bring it up, be like, I heard it was cold that day. Is that why you didn't go to the Capitol? Like, yes, definitely. That's that's my story. Stick it to it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to pause it right there, pay the bills and we'll get back into it. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back talking about Ian and I's last rally in New Hampshire. Something that stood out about this particular rally was, and it, uh, not not a ton was in the piece. Like, I think we're, we're putting this piece together. Usually we, we cut this thing down and we have a 15, 20 minute run. Uh, and we're like, how do we make this a compelling television? We usually have a, about six minutes to fill that can air on the show or tend to air on the show. So we're really cutting certain things and tonally trying to make, trying to make it television that works. Uh, but a storyline that had come up was Israel. Obviously, the events in the Middle East that had just happened when we walked out the door. And so that was a, a big question we had as well. Because I think there's, there's a larger question everybody's dealing with right now is like, how do you talk about this issue? There's a lot of, a lot of heartbreak, a lot, lot of scary stories and images coming out of Israel. And especially when we in New Hampshire, it was a very new story uh, and people hadn't wrapped their heads around it. And so there was questions of like, how do we approach this? Where is there space for comedy? Is there space for comedy? And also, how do people want to talk about Israel? Uh, what did you notice when we were out there? Well, I, I, as you said, it's hard. And I think you and I were like, I don't, I don't know how to do this in, in a kind of a, our formula. Like, how do we we're not going to dive into this. This is a much bigger issue than, you know, kind of simple men on the street interviews with, you know, MAGA folk. But as you said, they were f- willing to bring it up. And then whenever they're so willing to bring it up you kind of always know they're going to bring up like kind of a bullshit attack on Biden or the left. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that may or may not most likely not true. And fortunately that's where they went. And it's almost like you and I do this and I do this the night before. It's just like on right wing Twitter and you're seeing the attacks that they've just been trained to kind of like lay out. And it's like this, this tragedy happened in Israel and sleepy Joe Biden's at a barbecue, just eating barbecue. And it's like, well, okay, maybe not a barbecue, but like, if you just read one news story, you know, like what America has done in response. And so we're not going to get into the appropriate response, but you can't come out and be like, yeah, the president of the United States doesn't even know what's going on. You're like, well, he did send an aircraft carrier group there. That's undeniable. Like there couldn't be a bigger symbol in the world than what that was. So they they're trained to to to, to lay into that line of attack very quickly. And unfortunately, you were prepared and we're still getting comedy out of it. So you don't trust the generals? No, I don't. What are you most excited to see inside? I just want to see him speak, see what he has to say about Israel. Um, I know Joe Biden was uh, doing a barbecue with his people. We sent a fleet of naval ships to Israel. Yes. So are you, you're against that? I am for that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's so good. So you give Biden credit for that? That's more the generals making, uh, making the calls there. Do we trust those generals? I don't even know who's in anymore, so I don't care. I mean, I think that's that was such an interesting moment for us in that I do think that man in particular brought up something that is, it's always compelling. I think Trump's uh, relationship with veterans is a giant question mark for us. And that was the thing we also talked about. We talked to a few people about the story. It's amazing the stories that 
happened that week that we're not talking about right now, which was uh, nuclear submarine secrets. Was we, we had a whole section about that, which was a big news story. It's a giant news story. That's not anywhere near the news cycle right now. It didn't now, make which our peace. It's okay. like, <laughs> it? We're like, this is so hysterically crazy. This is it. No matter what happens, we have this. It didn't even yeah. make it. This is where news is nowadays. We are a comedy show. The ex-president maybe shared nuclear secrets with an Australian billionaire. And we were like, now nah, we got seven other things we have to hit. We have ISIS planning <laughs> January 6th with MS-13, Antifa, and BLM. And we, and, we, and, and 49 degrees is somehow too cold to stay outside past <laughs> noon. So there's a lot for, for us to wrap our head around. Those people are from New Hampshire. I just want to dig into them more. They're from New Hampshire. And they said 49 degrees in Washington, D.C. was too cold for them. What do they do yeah. for six months? You're born with a Patagonia layer <laughs> if you live in New Hampshire. That's just, th these. Th there's lies here. There's something going it's on. Something's fishy. <laughs> Again, strange times we live in. But I would say that the veteran thing was wild because that person, we're talking to a veteran by an average person's understanding of the news. The way in which Donald Trump had talked about our armed forces within the last couple of weeks was was abysmal. It was at least it was it was at least uncouth, if not borderline offensive. He talked about executing Millie. He had it had been revealed, which had already been revealed, but had just been doubled down on the way he talked about uh, injured veterans in public ceremonies. And yet we talked to a veteran who pivots to defending Trump over his generals. And we that conversation it's not all on air, went deeper into like, what is your chain of command? As somebody who is in the armed services, who do you trust? And he very specifically pointed to generals as people he distrusted. And then, of course, in the, 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 the beautiful packaging that these pieces tend to be in is like, they will say something so definitive and then find a way in which to contradict it just immediately in a way that, again, I, I had no idea there was going to be uh, two-facing on generals out there in the field, but yeah, voila, there was. Not, not to be predicted, you're right. We've experienced people saying like, oh, I love him because he supports the military, but what about him making fun of John McCain? This was another level. And you had, as you had said, there's been so much recent news but it just doesn't deter them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talked to multiple people who we would confront them with information that was new to them, like this Australian billionaire uh, getting nuclear secrets and then passing that off to dozens of other folks. We would confront them with that information. They would be skeptical of it. And then they would indulge the, the, the idea that it were true. And then when asked if this were true, would you be disappointed? We talked to one person. He was like, of course, it would make me sad and what have you, which from an interviewing standpoint is... Is that it's it's nice to be able to agree on a set of facts and a set of morality of like we can at least agree maybe we, we let's say we're not going to fight about whether or not you think it's true let's say this is a piece of information if this information were true would this thing shake you from a from a moral standpoint and or from a political or from a, a, a national safety standpoint and we had the person who was very clearly like yes that would make me sad. I wouldn't want to hear it. It was the Australian and submarine yes. secrets. He was that yes, guy. Right. Exactly. So that guy was say, reacting to the allegation that Trump had shared nuclear secrets, which could put our you know armed forces in danger. And he was earnestly mm -hmm. disappointed and not happy to hear that, which you're right. Not happy at all to hear that. Which was, it was, yeah, and we rarely get that, but when we, we get to that point, and yet again, then a follow up is that is, even if that were found true, is there any space for doubt? for you to not vote and support Donald Trump. And he said, he said no. And I think that's something we see 
all the time. Like even when confronted with information, if they were to accept it, which yet again, this person was not his news bubble wasn't allowing that news to come in his bias bubble wasn't allowing there to be room for him to believe it and even if he were to break through those two barriers there was still no space for him to have doubt about his choice right his tribalism trump trump's trump his tribalism trumps everything like he's it's it's like yeah. you're right all these things had it kind of worked its way through his his brain and his tribalism is like just puts a stop to it which is yeah. kind of where we are in so many things um, mm-hmm. I will say in thinking about this rally and, and in the context of like all the rallies we've gone to in the past, the crowd's pretty friendly. And you and I noticed this in 2020 when they're pretty confident with Trump's like chances, people tend to be like engaging and friendly, but as that confidence kind of like gets chipped away at, and he seems to be in more trouble, they get angrier and angrier, like right before the election in 2020, People were down and just angry, and it was like, don't talk to me kind of vibes. And then after he lost, they were like, don't talk to me or I'm going to hurt you kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we started, the first rally we did when we came back in 2019, pre-pandemic, you and I noticed everybody was like, yeah, I'll talk. Let's talk. You want to try to make fun of Trump? We're on top. And Mm -hmm. so he's obviously not on top now but maybe in their brains he is in some ways. So they were kind of engaging. It was like, oh, this is this, this is an easy crowd to talk to. Now I'm interested in like how that changes. Yeah, do, do you think that is a reflection of their perspective being more optimistic than perhaps left-wing media thinks thinks they should be? Yeah, because I think, take poll, polling out aside, and um, it means you're straight up ignoring, you know, a lot of <laughs> things in the justice system and ignoring... 91 criminal counts. Um, take those uh, take those away. I think the news they're seeing is like, look at Biden screw up. Look at Biden screw up. Look how old he is. So then you just feel invincible and you're w- mm-hmm. willing to talk to liberal media that you normally hate. And I think that kind of right. informed some of our day. And I think people often ask, like, why do people talk to you or is it hard? And I think this was we, we also travel. Uh, Abby is a lovely producer, travels with us and helps us talk to people and see if people want to come talk to us. And as we were talking afterwards, the experience of getting people to talk to us was really not that difficult. here, Right. People were open, uh, wanted to talk, wanted to talk about their ideas. And I do think that is reflective of people f- feeling pretty optimistic or confident. Yeah, I think if if. As any of these trials progress, if if in any one of them things start looking really, really bad and inf- more information comes comes to light, I wonder if there will be this reaction to, to kind of like more guarded in, kind of engagement with us and more anger. Like, I, I, I could see that. Was there anything in this uh, in the edit here that you wish had made it to the final piece that you look back on and like, oh, I wish we had more space right. for that? Well, one thing we cut out, we talked about the submarine, which is crazy that we cut out. We had a run where we were bringing up Trump allegedly overpricing Mar-a-Lago, overvaluating Mar-a-Lago. And we asked people what they thought it was worth. And that was a funny run because people have no <laughs> idea how much real estate costs in another part of the country, much less Florida. Florida to the to people is like this kind of magical place where things could cost $8 billion. <laughs> so that was a funny run. How much do you think Mar-a-Lago is worth? I don't know. I'd say it's got to be worth like a billion if I had to guess. Yeah, it sounds like a guess. <laughs> I mean, a couple of million and what they're saying is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. I've heard 300. 
Because there's million. pieces around there that are, are worth. Well, that you much. can't put a price on state secrets. Uh, hundred million? I don't know. Very expensive. I, I think Saudi Arabia would definitely pay more than a hundred million dollars yeah. for all the information that's inside Marlboro. That's a yeah. That's a underestimated. Uh, Value. They also echo the way in which Trump talks about it, which, you know, they don't need to be experts on how much real estate is in Florida. But when you ask somebody, which we thought would be a funny ask, and I think it was, of like, how much do you think Mar-a-Lago is worth? So many people are like, I don't know, a billion? A billion? I mean, that thing's got to be worth the most. That's like the best. That's like the best place on earth. Like, you, you yeah, can be like, like, oh, right. This is how you talk about it. They're like, it's Florida. You're like, right. It's a big state where a lot of people go to retire. It's Florida. <laughs> Do you have any idea how much things cost there? Darny, cars don't even touch the road. So, yeah, we, <laughs> we cut that for time. And then we brought it up earlier. You made a great joke in the moment of, um, to the couple who said it was cold. <laughs> it was something like, oh, you don't often hear that. Oh. That is the reason why people avoided the capitalism. <laughs> yes, in the moment, they, 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 they talked about the cold. And I was like, yes, do you think that's an underreported fact about January 6th that many of the people who were inside the Capitol were simply inside to get out of the ele- get away from the elements yes uh, they found it less than funny when I, I put it out there I but I thought in the moment a pretty good retort pretty good job and I think it kind of ended the conversation but funny thing is like that would have been a valid alibi for I feel for some J6ers because th- I think that I had to go to the bathroom like excuse was used <laughs> by people who were on trials, like, yeah, I broke into the Capitol, might have threatened Nancy Pelosi, but I had to go to the bathroom. Honestly, I that that is that is one excuse I can get behind. The idea that I was, like, I was in a public space in this country, and we don't provide restrooms for people in public spaces. So yes, I had to storm the gosh darn Capitol so that I could go tinkle and not tinkle on the monument. I'm like, all right, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a pass. Okay, and I'm gonna, this is this is something all of the American people need to know that day. There were a lot of angry people, and they may have been made more angry by the fact that there were no bathrooms. And the reason there are no bathrooms is because of COVID. And all of the public museums where people go to the bathroom around the National were closed. That is true. It is true. There, there is, not to start another conspiracy, but there were shockingly few public restrooms available for 60,000 people out there on the National Mall. If those museums were open, do you know how, I just, like, do you know how, to face the the air and space museum would have been like oh my god this is and you know what honestly that could be the way in which we all would have come together is like somebody would have hopped in some old apollo uh (laughs) apollo 7 lunar capsule taking a dump inside and we all would have been like too far that's too much too much that's too much somebody stole judy garland's ruby red slippers we need to come together chuck yeager flew that plane (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that would have been it. We need that. We need to have public defacement of something we can all be angered by. We just—that's what this country needs. It's like we all need to be angered by one thing, so we can get on the same page. We used to have Nazis. Now we can't even agree that the Nazis are bad. Can we at least agree that Chuck Yeager's swimsuit is worth upholding? <laughs> um, that—that's going to be uh, a next in a long series of ours where we're going to dive into the what happened with the bathrooms and the National Mall on January sixth. I think it's a limited dairy podcast. Yep. Why did the mm-hmm. deep state close them? And what did yep. that, you know, kind of con- what were the consequences of that? Where were the shitters? Uh, Ian Berger, Jordan Klepper, get to the bottom of it all. There's inquiring minds want to know. Next time. That's what we're doing. <laughs> what do you hope it is next for us? We, we, we're back. We're in action. I, well, we want to get back. Where do you hope to go to next? I, I think you and I are both curious about an RFK junior rally. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're rallies, events, an RK, RFK Jr. event. I think we're curious about that, like earnestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does, he seems to have a, 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 you know, kind of have them frequently. So I think they'll, it'll be an opportunity for us. I would say that, like, I, I've heard some reports. I think there's, you know, a, a kind of interestingly mixed crowd um, across the political spectrum. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think wherever we can expand, it's always fascinating to hear the folks and their perspectives at MAGA events. But I want to talk to RFK Jr. people. I want to talk to uh, folks at other primary events. I want to see what a Christie fan looks like. I want to meet that one Mike Pence fan, the Haley heads. Like, it's always nice for us to hear people on different levels, especially on the right uh, of, of is is there space in this party to move away from what we see in the MAGA world? I don't buy it, but it'd be nice to talk to people who might think there is. So hopefully, hopefully we get some opportunities to do that in the future. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I think we're gonna have a good time. Awesome. Ian, good to be out on the road with you. Same. So glad we're back, Jordan. Um, I will see you on the shores of Lake Winnipesaukee. <laughs> I'm going back. It's lovely. We love, honestly, we, we, we couldn't get more thumbs up for uh, Lake Winnipesaukee. And, you know, that, that should be said, too. In this town, I laugh because oftentimes if I'm recognized in town, people are disappointed to see me across the board. <laughs> it's on the, on the right, if you recognize me, you're like, oh, that guy. And on the left, you're like, oh, no, what's happening here? This is my home. And I want that wonderful woman who I saw outside the coffee shop in Wolfboro. I want her to know we thought your town was beautiful. Exactly. It really was lovely. I bought a sweatshirt. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thanks so much for joining me and Ian. And thanks so much for joining us with the Daily Show Ears Edition. Explore more shows from The Daily Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.